This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Howdy, everybody. Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. Thank you for joining us on another insightful discussion with people in and around the independent music scene, whether it's them playing in bands themselves, whether it's them doing other cool stuff like putting out records or taking photos or whatever, or what I like to call the secret punks. These are the people who have been in our awesome music scene and, you know, maybe have not pursued it to the fullest extent of, uh, you know, people that are normally on this show, but have taken those principles, everything they've learned from the DIY, punk, hardcore, indie rock scene, and then applied it to their lives later on. But this person, whoa, I'm so excited I'm hitting my computer. <laughs> this person is the true embodiment of an artiste, and I don't use that word lightly. Josh Scogan. He plays in 68. He also played in The Chariot. Plays in Norma Jean. Well, not plays like currently, but played in Norma Jean. And he's been a conversation I've been wanting to have for quite some time because, frankly, I uh, worship at that dude's altar in the sense of all of the music that he has done. I've been a fan of, you know, to varying degrees, but I've always really, really appreciated what he's done, how he's expressed himself. And uh, I was excited to have this convo with him because, um, you know, the 68 have a new record coming out, if I'm not mistaken, in the next couple weeks. And uh, that's exciting. And 68, they basically are a, uh, you know, hardcore version of the White Stripes. That's how I always describe them, just because they're a two-piece and, you know, drums and guitar, that sort of stuff. But, you know, that's maybe a very simple way to describe the band. But uh, they're the real deal, and they're awesome. So, but let's get some business pleasantries out of the way, and then we will uh, then we'll deal with uh, Josh and reckon with the force that he is. But, well, first... Rise Against. I've, if you've been listening to the show, you've been hearing me talk about their new record, and it's unbelievable. And they have a new record coming out. It's called Wolves. You need to pre-order it now. Just go ahead and just uh, press pause. Visit the riseagainstshop.com website, and you'll be able to pre-order the record Wolves. They have a single out right now. You can kind of sample it on any you know streaming service that you'd like. But the record is great. They're on tour with Deftones and Thrice all throughout the summer, which is a show that you're just like, I get my brain can't even wrap its head around how awesome it is that all of those bands are going out together. It's just so so much cool stuff going on with that band, and they're the real deal. Rise Against have been doing it forever, and they are absolutely incredible at what they do. So please, RiseAgainstShop.com, pre-order that record. And then also another amazing service I've been pleading with you to try because I think you will really, really enjoy it. Symbol FM. So you can go to symbol.fm and you will be able to, uh, you know, download it to your phone and your, your whatever device you are using to, uh, you know, listen. Well, I was about to say whatever device you're listening to music on. No, you can't download that to your iPod. <laughs> But any any iOS system, you'll be able to download this thing. And I'm fairly certain they have an Android app as well. And if I'm speaking out of turn, then I apologize. And maybe I'll get slapped by my friend Charlie who does stuff at Symbol and be like, oh, Ray, we don't have an Android app. But anyways, I know for myself, I use it on my iPhone and it is awesome. Basically, it's the easiest way to share music with your friends. And uh, it's it, like I said, basically you, you you pick a track and you're like, you know what, I, I want people to listen to this thing. And, uh, you know, it's very much like any other social media property in the sense of, uh, you know, you got a feed and you can scroll through and kind of listen to what your other friends are listening to. But uh, what I really enjoy doing is basically playing a uh, compilation of all the tracks that I've published because, uh, yeah, it's just fun because I can go back and be like, oh, yeah, that's right. I was listening to that record a lot a couple weeks ago. But you can follow me on Symbol FM at 
X Purpose X. And uh, yeah, follow me. And then we can uh, trade music and talk about how cool this particular track or whatever is. So yeah, do it up. Symbol FM, awesome stuff. And then I have to tell you about this other awesome podcast that's a part of the Jabberjaw Network called Omar's a Spot. A lot of my good friends do this show, and basically it's a peek behind the scenes of what it takes to actually run a record label. It's not just like the very broad strokes and overviews of what it is to do a record label. It's like, hey, this is how you put stuff into production, and it gets into the real, real nitty-gritty details. So it's cool because for anyone that's looking a for a more behind-the-scenes approach of what it is to work at a record label, this is the deal. So my friend Mike Mowry, my friend Lance Rowe, my friend Susie Lee, they all do this, and they all have a variety of different roles at the label, and it's a very, very good distillation of it. So please, go check that out. If you are a music industry nerd such as myself, you will love that particular show. And uh, yeah, thanks, Omar's a spot. <laughs> so uh, like I said, Josh Skogan, is, uh, he's, been, he's been a name looming large in my list. I've actually you know, got a lot of people on Twitter that have hit me up in regards to saying that they should, they, they being me, I should have him on the show. And finally we were able to make it happen. And he was just a, uh, you know, a great Southern gentleman. Like he portrays himself to be, that is who he actually is. So, um, yeah, I, I don't have anything more to say beyond, uh, you just need to listen to all of his bands. Like he really hasn't put out a dud as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, yeah, there we go. That is what Josh is up to. And uh, here is the discussion that I had with him over one uh, one pleasant afternoon while I was in California and he was hanging out. I can't remember where. He was at home, I'm fairly certain, which home I think is in Georgia. Yeah, we got that. <laughs> Anyways, here's Josh and I will talk to you after the episode's over. I don't think we actually met when we were on tour together, which is weird because, you know, that happens sometimes where you do like a week worth of dates. And, like, you don't actually meet everybody in all the bands just because it's, you know, so right. so chaotic. But yeah, sure. I think it was. Uh, so we pl- we played uh, Rock Island, Illinois at like a total, you know, VFW Hall scenario. Um, and mm-hmm. so we picked up on tour with you guys bleeding through every time I die. And uh, I think Beloved jumped on the bill, too. Um but it was, yeah, it was, it was one of those things where it was like, I was already familiar with your band. I was, you know, excited to play some shows with you guys. But then, um, watching you guys was just like it, uh, like you didn't care about anything in regards to, uh, making sure that like, you, you know, your music was like as crystal clear as possible. You just, the volume, <laughs> the, the volume was right. the most important thing. And you were, you know, yeah. you were throwing yourselves around all over the place. Um, in certain respects, I, I'm presuming that uh, the live presentation was very uh, intentional as far as like, yo, we just want to be as chaotic as possible. Uh, or was that simply just the zones that you guys got in once you started playing? Well, it was definitely a uh, it, like it was it was intentional in the sense that we wrote music in hopes to push us. Um, it wasn't intentional in the sense of like. I mean, we never talked about it or anything. We just always like, I mean, I enjoy recording and stuff, but really we just record so we can play live shows. You know what I mean? Like that was always the emphasis. It's just like, like, let's get this record out so we can tour more. You know, um, when you, when you think about being in a band, at least me anyway, it was always like, oh man, I can't wait to be on stage playing. It was never like, you know, can't wait to be sitting in a cold studio recording these songs or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, as far as like, it was intentional in the sense that like all of our favorite bands at the time were, you know, at the drive in and, uh, you know, botch and any band that, you know, just was known for their sort of like 
performance like that, you know, but like, uh, but yeah, it was great because, you know, we, we all, we all grew up together. Um, and so it wasn't anything that ever even had to be discussed. It was just like, Oh, these are, I mean, we are friends first and then we just like started a band. And so it was just pretty known that like, you know, it was all like to be able to play the live show, you know? Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, the, the expression of the fact that you could just be like, Hey, like we're totally uninhibited up here. We're, you know, drooling over ourselves and throwing our guitars around. Like (laughs) that doesn't like, that doesn't matter because you know, at the end of the day, like this music is chaotic and this is how we're expressing it. Right. Well, I feel like it's uh, if like, cause a lot of bands, I mean, having been doing this for quite a while now, you know, you enter a lot of conversations with people and their, their thoughts and stuff. And I don't think there's any wrong thought on it, but you know, some people are just like, that's, you know, like that's a terrible representation of the, of the, the good music that you've recorded. And, and, and that's some people's take on it. It's like, man, you're not even doing that song justice or whatever, but I'm like my thought and like, especially all of us at that point and stuff. And even now, I mean, it's just, it's like, well, if you want like, you know, a, a perfect representation, like you have the CD, go listen to the CD. Like that's there for a reason, you know, to, to get to know it or whatever. But if live, it's like, you know, an opportunity presents itself to just leap in the crowd. And like, maybe the, the riff gets a little sloppy. It's like, I don't know, like to me, that's fine because it's like that, that opportunity will never come again. Like sure. Maybe in the next city, a similar opportunity arises, but at the end of the day, it's like, it wasn't that city. It wasn't that crowd. It wasn't that time. It wasn't, I mean, so for me and for all of us at the time, it's just like, this is our, this is the expression. Like I said, like you just record more albums so you can tour more and people, show up maybe you know that's the hope anyway and so like the live thing is is always like the first priority and then you know how do we how do we play more live shows well you record albums <laughs> you know so right you get you, you get new music out there in order to get people to uh, come to the shows yeah yeah <laughs> exactly yeah um and so you uh you know you are a born and bred and tried and true uh southern gentleman as uh you know i i, I am describing you you don't maybe have to view yourself as such but the um you know, there's there's something that is so inherently tied to you know Southern pride and uh, you know being from there. Um, where specifically were you born, and kind of like you know where did you come up? Was it in was it in Alabama or where? Uh, Atlanta, 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 Georgia. Born and raised. Yeah, yeah. And so, what was your what was your family structure like? Like mom and dad in the house, brothers and sisters? Uh, yeah, I had an older brother, uh, six years older, and uh, and um. Yeah, and then I had two two parents, um, uh, mom and dad, um, and they they were all uh, it, was a, it was a good you know supportive kid like childhood growing up you know um, my brother being six years older I always you know wanted to do the opposite of him um, and so like you know he was like uh, <clears throat> I remember him you know getting into like rap and hip hop and that sort of stuff. And I remember him like, you know, throwing this cassette tape away and, and like just being like, I don't even understand whatever, just like not into that. And so I remember like grabbing it and just being like, you know, basically in my mind, like if he hates this, I love it, you know, and it 
turned out to be like the bleach album uh cassette tape um by nirvana so it's like obviously i was like young enough to not really know why i cared but it was just like whatever this is i like it you know and um and he was into like a whole another world and then and then you know like it's funny because you know fast forward x amount of years i had to like admit to him that I actually did like the Beastie Boys even though I like <laughs> had to pretend I hated them because that's what he loved you know so totally. um but yeah I had uh I had the Bleach uh cassette tape at a hilariously young age strictly based on the fact that you know that he was uh not into it and he's like yeah you can not understand what you're saying or whatever you know and I, and I mean in some ways that definitely maybe sculpted you know where I am and who I am and that sort of thing, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was like me as a kid. So, yeah, well, that's interesting. Cause usually, you know, there are people that have, you know, older siblings that kind of, you know, are, are guideposts for younger siblings where it's just like, Oh, Hey, like here's something that's kind of cool. That'll make, you know, you look cooler as you go into like, you know, elementary school, junior high or whatever. And it's funny that like, <laughs> it's funny that you took the opposite of that. You're like, yo, whatever, whatever he's into, I'm, z- I, he's zigging, I'm zagging. Right, right. Well, I, I probably would have been in, I mean, it was, you know, it was a, uh, <clears throat> I, I probably would have done better just, you know, following in some of his footsteps as far as that's concerned. Cause I remember, I remember being in school at one point, you know, like specifically this sort of, uh, I don't know, like timestamp of my life where I was just like, man, I think all of these dudes like, uh, you know, sort of that rap hip hop stuff. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm just like, I've already sort of staked my claim that I'm not into it, you know? And, um, I mean, all, all this stuff is very like, you know, frivolous, like, uh, just sort of, uh, just, you're just saying the words, you know, I, I didn't have my own sort of like, um, <clears throat> my own thoughts and, and, and on it until maybe like, I remember like, sort of like middle school or late middle school where, you know, me and my friends really started purposefully digging out, you know, CDs and, and vinyl. And, and that's, that's when I sort of, that's, that's when I had a reason to, you know, that, that's, that's, that's the reality of, of who I became and all that stuff. But as a younger, you know, younger man, it was just more like, I'm just saying these words really, you know, I don't really know, I couldn't tell you why I liked or disliked this or that. The other, I was just kind of, you know, existing, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, I like, I like that expression. Cause so many times that's exactly what you do as a kid, because it's just like you're, you, you read a word or you see something and you're attracted to it. You can't put your finger on why. And then you're like, yeah, I'm that. Right. and then someone like puts you on the spot and is like, Oh, why do you like that? And you're like, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My parents were awesome though, because like, like my dad was just like, you know, a Southern, like, I mean, he, he liked really good music, just classic rock. And, and, you know, I mean, you know, Zeppelin and, and, and 38 special and Skinner. I mean, just really good sort of like rock. I mean, you know, in his words, it's like, if it's, if you know, if you can sort of like, like not in a, like bang your head kind of way, but just sort of a way of like, you know, man, if that, if that riff is, you know, <laughs> popping out of the song, like that's a good song. And, again for no real reason but just i remember just being like yeah like attracted to that you know which is hilarious because it's probably the same reason my brother was you know diving into hip-hop and stuff because i'm sure it was somewhat of a who knows but you know i I can't speak for him but i'm sure it was some sort of rebellion against you know that song you know what i mean like him being like oh 
well, my parents like this, so I'm going to like this. And then here I am going flip-flop of that, you know, going, well, he likes this, so I'm going to like this stuff, you know, which was maybe in some way, you know, closer, closerly knit to like a, uh, you know, the, the rock and roll of, I mean, obviously there's a huge stretch between Zeppelin and Nirvana's Bleach album, but maybe they're more connected than, you know, than NWA or something, you know, so <laughs> totally. <laughs> who, who knows? I mean, the mentality might not be, you know, more connected, but at least the musically and sonically, it might be more connected. Who knows? Yeah. What did your, uh, what did your parents do for uh profession? Um, my dad owned his own business. Um, he, uh, it, it was like the specialized construction stuff. And, okay. um, so he, he owned his own business. Um, and my mom, uh, worked for, uh, McCormick, uh, spices and oh. she was like a head office lady up there. Um, nice. Yeah. Almost as long as I can remember. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, yeah, it was, it was cool because uh, since my dad owned his own business, you know, some some seasons he would be super busy and always out and about. Um, and then some, you know, some slower times of the year or whatever, you know, he was home a lot of times and, you know, uh, kind of always around and stuff. So it was really, it was really nice and, and uh, you know, a unique dynamic uh, as I grew up and realized is, is a unique dynamic to what a lot of parents have where, you know, it's just nine to five and that's it. Here it is every single day, nothing different, you know, and, uh, and I, I didn't know any different, but, you know, now looking back, it was quite nice to, you know, like, ha- like on the, during the week, sometimes, you know, he'd just be home the whole time or whatever. And, yeah. you know, be able to like, whatever, take me to school or, you know, pick me up or whatever, you know, so it was, yeah, it's quite nice. Yeah, that's that sounds awesome. <clears throat> and so, <clears throat> so uh, what kind of kid did you find yourself being as you started to, you know, actually have your own opinions and know why you thought things? Um, you know, as you started to enter high school, did you, uh, you know, find yourself being like the uh, the art kid, the sports kid? Like, where did you find yourself sitting? Uh, definitely not the sports kid. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I uh, yeah, it was it was like seventh grade, eighth grade is where I sort of feel like I kind of. I don't know. What do you want to call it? Who cares really? But just, that's where I kind of became who I was going to become. Um, I got into music. Uh, I got into, you know, purposely, you know, diving into Nirvana's and, and, and helmet and unsane and, and just uh, my, my first concert ever. Um, I, uh, it was a Bush toadies and hum and I just went because, you know, I really liked all three of those bands and, but it was kind of one of those things like my parents had to drop me off and it was this, you know, kind of a somewhat of an arena rock show sort of scenario. And, and I remember like just kind of going, but cause my friend was going, but then all of a sudden it was like, I mean, I was blown away. And, and I remember just being like, I want to do that. Like, I want to do that right there. I want to play on a stage. And, and from that moment on, I was like any show I can go to any show at, at all. Like if I, if I can get, to it I want to go to it I saw bands that I loved I saw bands that I didn't really care for um it just that that 100% changed my life and I presume changed my outcome you know because uh not that I'm done but you know changed the where I am today because I saw that and I was just like that's amazing you know and and um yeah it was just it was that that's all 
me and my friends at the time who were the, you know, who became Norma Jean and stuff. I mean, we, all of us were just like, this is it. This is what we're, we're going to shows. <laughs> and so, you know, at the time you're just going to a show, but then you look back on it now and you, you realize like, man, I saw some great artists, you know, at a great time, you know, I saw the pumpkins on melancholy, infinite sadness, all rage on the evil empire tour. Like, you know, you just, you got to see a bunch of stuff, but also saw bands that, have, you know, like, I think I went and saw no doubt one time and I just, like, I didn't, I don't really care about no doubt, but it was just like, I remember that was the first time I saw like, <clears throat> that like every band that opened up it, it, looking back now, it must've been every single crew member. Like there was this one part where they kicked in and just every single person on that tour just ran and, and just staged dove right into the audience. And I remember just being like, this is amazing. Like, I you know, and it's, it's hilarious. Yeah, exactly. But it's hilarious because that was the first time I saw that, you know what I mean? I mean, it was just like, you know, when I saw Bush or whatever, it's like that show that, that band is way more something I was into at the time, but, it's, but they didn't do that. You know what I mean? And like, I just remember like so many people and just tearing through the stage and then just running and just jumping as far as you can go. And then, you know, the next guy obviously doesn't want to land on that person. So they immediately go a little bit to the right. And now, and it was just chaos. And I remember being like, but I mean, it's no doubt, you know what I mean? They were top forties. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's, so that, so that was somewhat of a tiniest bit of like little, you know, like hint of, you know, something, you know, and then I remember seeing, I don't remember where the exact connection is, but I remember going to see a band, um, who knows? And, and, and the band opening was really, really good. And the singer was selling their merch. And so I was just, I remember being like so young. I mean, I had to get dropped off at all these shows, you know, and, I remember going back and, and talking to the guy selling the merch, which was the singer that just performed. And I remember being blown away because obviously, you know, Bush isn't going to do that or, right. you know, Gwen Stefani's like, you know what I mean? And so, and so I'm talking to this person and he's like, oh yeah, I'm from Atlanta. And I was like, what? what? And I was like, that that's the first time I like understood the concept of local bands. You know, that was the first thing. And so he was like, yeah, we're actually performing like two months from now, like right here and all this stuff. So, so I went and of course, since they're headlining, it was a way more quote unquote punk rock, lo-fi sort of show, you know, and, and that's, that's there it all connects. And then I was, I realized like, whoa, there's shows that are like 10 bucks and five bucks and like eight bucks, you know, and like, right. and these little like underground shows and, and, and it's a whole lot more just sort of like, you know, you do it what you want, but you also, you, you sell your own merch, you load in, you, it's, it's not all like glossy and and shiny you know and 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 so yeah that that somewhere along the way connected all to that and you know i, I fell in love with that even more because i was just like this dude was just performing and here he is talking to me you know and right Bro, and it, that's it, what, a, what a great connection yeah so it those like the moment that you feel especially when you're coming from an independent music perspective the moment that you feel the barriers and the facade is broken down that's when you can actually feel like you have the ability to participate you know that's when you feel like right like oh like i not even so much from like oh i can get in a band and play but you're like oh i can be like part of this you know local show community and like yeah it just opens up your world exactly and it was everyone up till then like no offense to any of the bands but 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 everyone at that point was untouchable you know what i mean like you're not gonna 
you're, you're not going to touch, you know, you're not hanging, uh, any you're of not, those you're guys. Not hanging out you're not going to touch Billy Corgan. No, no. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to jump up and touch Billy Corgan without real consequences. You know what I mean? But, but here's this guy who's, you know, handing me a shirt, you know? And, and I was like, this is a, I don't know. Like I, looking back on it, it's like, that was the first time where I was like, Oh, wait, this is just a guy. He lives in Atlanta. He lives in my hometown and he's performing with some of my favorite bands. And, and I remember just like, I mean, that again, just another game changer where I was just like, that's great. You know, that, that like, this is amazing because this guy is, you know, talking to me personally, one-on-one, this is a one-on-one thing. And there wasn't a lot of people at that particular show. And so it was just like, it was cool because it was like, you know, I doubt, well, it's funny because I was about to say, I doubt he remembers who I am, but I went and saw him multiple times. I probably saw him, you know, six or seven times in a row. And we actually did become somewhat friends, you know? And like, it was just funny. Cause again, that's a whole thing where I was like, this is, this is what I like. This is something I'm into, you know, and just being able to connect on some, something, a larger level than just, you know, I create art and these heads, you know, and bodies just consume my art. You know what I mean? It's like we actually connected on some sort of level where I'm a human and he's a human and we're exchanging ideas and, and a conversation, you know, and so it becomes a very much more realistic thing. And, you know, looking back on everything, it's just like, you know, I, I never wanted to be a facade on stage. I never wanted to, I never wanted to pretend on stage because I just thought it was so taxing to have to get off stage and then still be that, that cool guy. You know, it's like, I always just wanted to be me. And if you like it, cool. If you don't, that's cool. But at least when I'm off stage, which is the vast majority of, of touring and of life, it's like, I can still just be, that dork that, you know, I'm not putting any sort of like false ideas out there. And then when I'm off stage, I'll, you know, I'm good friends with a lot of people, you know? And so like, you know, you're friends with them and you know who they really are. But when they're up on stage, it's like, they're this cool guy and you'll be hanging out with them walking down the street or whatever. And it's just you and this dude. And you're like, yeah, and we're friends. And then all of a sudden, you know, like a couple of people that like their band show up and all of a sudden it's just like, the switch goes on, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, they shift. that's cool for them. Like, no, there's no right way or wrong way. But for me, it's like, I don't want that responsibility. Like, I don't want to have to live up to some false expectation forever. You know what I mean? And so it was very nice to just, to just be like, Oh, this is just a guy. And, you know, I remember just throughout the, the years of some things getting bigger, some things getting smaller and different projects I've done. It's like, it's just nice because it's just like I am who I am, and right <clears throat> for better or worse, it's no, like that, I can just be me. Totally, not to, not to interrupt your train of thought, but that was actually something I was going to get to later, where it was the uh, the notion that um, I think that people are attracted to whatever you do musically uh, is because you know there, clearly there's a through line where you're playing you know aggressive loud music and sonically you're all in the same umbrella, but they're all different enough to where you could see certain people would not like the chariot versus, you know, maybe liking the 68. But at the same time, like you yourself haven't really, uh, changed from the way that you not, sure. not only present yourself, but just like the same sort of, you know, raucous atmosphere and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I'm, 
I, I, I'm glad that you're able to express that and see yourself, uh, the, mm-hmm. the lines of that, because I think that's what, you know, I mean, frankly, I think that's why people still care about you because you are still you, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, that's cool. I mean, I, again, like, you know, I am who I am and the, the guy that I am has always just been a guy who loves the live show and, you know, once like I love feedback and I love, you know, humans. Like I love, like when I record, um, you know, sonically, it's like, again, in in a way I'm not trying to put something false out there. So if you listen to the chariot records, it's like, they're obviously very loose. They're not, you know, we're, we're, we're human beings playing human music. It's not, you know, copy pay, you know, you play one riff. I mean, I've, I've, produced a handful of bands and I've done a few, you know, I've, I've been around the block. So it's like, I've seen, well, I, I've never produced a band like this, but I've seen bands go in and go record one riff perfect. And then copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste, you know, just, just who cares about the drums will, will be detect it and make it perfect. And it's like, that's fine. That's that. I get it. I understand that. But it's like, if you heard the chariot pitch perfect, and then you went and saw their live show, I think there would be a disconnect there. You know what I mean? I think there would be a, a moment where you go, that recording I listened to, it wasn't, hey, let's let's try to get it as good as we could. It was a lie. You know what I mean? And like totally. and that's why we never we never recorded like that. We always recorded, you know, in a way that like I felt represented us, you know. And so if you listen to the recordings, they're a little sloppy. There, there's feedback everywhere. There's you know, and it's and and that, that again points to the idea of like I'm not trying to I don't know I just if you if you catch me off guard in the, on the side of the street like I don't have to click into any pretend guy you know I don't I, I'm just Josh <laughs> and 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 that and I think that's for me in my mental health I think that I mean that's definitely a place that I'd rather live you know and so whether it's, you know, Norma Jean or the chariot or 68, it's like, well, uh, it's always that same guy who's contributing to or writing the music or being a part of it. So therefore it's going to, it's going to have that common thread, I believe, you know? Hey, pardon the interruption, but did you know that mother's day is like a few days away? Have you done something for the mother in your life? Whether it is for my experience, I have a mother and then I also am married to the mother of my son, which odd how that works out like that. But you need to don't don't just get any flower. Like if you you know you're going to your your average website that sells flowers, go to Bloom That. So BloomThat.com. And my wife was the recipient of one of these nice bouquets, or maybe I'm just putting words in her mouth, but I, I viewed it as nice. Um, Kate, would you like to talk about your experience in regards to Bloom That? It was very nice. My package arrived. It was easy to open. Um, I quickly assembled it myself. Um, it came, the flowers themselves came in a nice burlap sack tied with a pretty yellow ribbon, which then I could put on the vase mm-hmm. as decoration. And um, the flowers hadn't bloomed yet, so I got to enjoy that. And I liked it so much, I sent flowers to Raymond's teacher yeah. using the coupon code that came in the box. <laughs> yes, exactly. So this is, uh, they, they, there was a lot of things that I learned about this company that just, you know, make it uh, far and above. Because, you know, the focus of this podcast is to, uh, you know, support independent music artists, you know, and companies. And Bloom That is exactly that. 
you know, they are, are sourcing flowers from here in the United States, just outside of San Francisco. Um, and you want your um, the mother in your life to have a very positive experience. You don't want them to receive flowers and be like, oh, they were beautiful, even though in the back of their heads they were like, they was just okay. You know, because moms are going to be nice. And they're not going to lie to you. But you need to go to bloomthat.com slash words. And what you will get is you will get this beautiful handcrafted vase. Uh, my wife likes to say vase, but I like to say vase, make it sound fancy. Um, and you'll also get some nice little caramel treats, which I think my mother has consumed them all. You she did not. them all, right? yes. <laughs> so please, bloomthat.com slash words. And then, like I said, you'll get a beautiful bouquet. You will get fr- a free vase and or vase. And uh, caramel treats. Like, you can't go wrong. This 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 package will uh, make your mother love you. I will guarantee you, if you have a strained relationship, this will save your relationship. Well, maybe not, but you need to be doing more than just sending flowers once a year. But Bloom That will definitely put you in good graces with any of the mothers in your life. Or if you're just doing it just out of the goodness of your heart and you're maybe you get like, hey, the flowers will arrive a day before Mother's Day. And then you'll get something. Maybe you'll get another bouquet on Mother's Day as well. You could just double it up if you wanted to. But anyways, go to bloomthat.com slash words and you will get a free vase, caramel treats, and an amazing bouquet. So go do it. Happy Mother's Day. And the uh, I know we're kind of jumping around here, but then the, um, you know, the the, the intersection of, of, you know, faith and Christianity and music, um, you know, just because you guys, you know, from a, a Norma Jean perspective, you existed, uh, you know, at the time when, you know, the Christian metalcore scene was really coming into its own, you know, built off the backs of, you know, bands like Training for Utopia and Focal Point and stuff like that. How did how did you kind of start to initially approach getting into music? And like, did you have a household in which, um, you know, your parents were like, OK, with you bringing home, you know, Slayer records? Or was it one of those things where you had to kind of like listen to that in the sly or you just didn't even listen to it at all? <laughs> well, it's funny because I've been doing it long enough and, and at, from such a young age I think a lot of and, and, and plus because I come straight out of the Bible Belt so I think people just assume I grew up in this like Christian household like going to church every Sunday and everything and um, my parents were great parents and you know uh, my, my father's passed away now but my, but my mom you know, she's still a great woman and and uh, but but it wasn't you know we didn't we didn't grow up with that pressure on us or anything it, it wasn't a uh Christianity is something that I found on my own in my own time. And, um, you know, it's something that I don't shy away from, but also, uh, it's, it's hard to want to talk about over any sort of public forum because there's just so many definitions that need to be given and so many, so many things that need to be like, if I'm talking to one person, one at a time, one-on-one, it's like, cool, let's talk all you want because I can clarify this, clarify that. But, um, you know, through interviews and stuff in the past, it's like, it's so, it gets so difficult talking about my faith and my beliefs because it's just so easily misconstrued and it's so easily edited out or it's so easily, you know, you, 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 you paint that broad stroke Christianity and all of a sudden your, your brain goes to just some terrible people in the world that are claiming the same thing I am. And it's just like, no, 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 <laughs> we're, I know, I'm not, we're not on the same boat, you know? And like, I've, I've, I've I love people, you know what I mean? And I, and I, and I love all people and, and, and I'm not, you know, I don't want to identify with, you know, people who hate or whatever, you know, but so, so, um, you know, that's sort of a, uh, that's sort of a topic that I, I find myself, you know, 
just kind of reserving for, for me and for any kind of personal, uh, conversations. But having said that, you know, getting into, um, you know, Norma Jean and, and, you know, playing with those, those things. Um, I actually hated the, if you want to call it, um, the popularity of Christianity in, in music because, um, because it felt like a fad and it felt like, you know, uh, at the risk of quoting my own lyrics, it was a fashion, you know, and it was something that was just here today, gone tomorrow. And obviously fast forward two years in any direction. And, and it was true, you know, all of a sudden nobody cared anymore as far as, <clears throat> I mean, it was just, you know, it's, it's the same with like straight edge or whatever. Like, like obviously there's a handful of people that genuinely were just like, this is something I, I want and I need, but a whole bunch of other people were just like, that's cool. You know? And it's like, let's click with these human, these other people. And all of a sudden it just became this sort of, you know, it, what, what was an expression of, of self, you know, personal conflict and, and a, a personal choice and sort of an expression of like, Hey, you know, the drunk jocks used to beat us up and that's stupid. And, and here's my sort of expression of art to, to sort of help cope with that. And all of a sudden became this fashion trend. And that's unfortunate, you know, but at the same time, I think Christianity and your beliefs and different things like that. I feel like that, you know, just, you know, people use the words like whatever Christian hardcore, whatever. And it's just such a funny that it just became its own genre because at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, how is that a genre? How, how is, you know, how is, yeah. how are your beliefs got their own, like, you know, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't talk about the killers as like, you know, Mormon rock or, right. you know, whatever, you know what I mean? It, because it's just silly because it just sounds insane when you say it like that. But for some reason it sort of took a life of its own and yeah. it became what it became. And again, I, I, I hated being right there in the mix of it because it just felt like yet another person jumping on the fashion train or, you know, or whatever. And well, it could be teach his own. I'm not any better than anyone else, but at the end of the day, it just, it was something that was genuine and true to me and, and based on my journey in life and the, the things that I've been through. So it was hard to, uh, it was hard to be a part of that and not, you know, and, and they want to be like, no, 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 but whatever yeah. I'm for real or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And it's like, well, only time's going to, make that a thing, you know? And so again, I mean, I hate even saying all that cause it's like, I'm not, I'm no better than anyone else, but it, but it's just, it was definitely a moment where I was like, I don't, I don't enjoy the fact that this is becoming so uh, popular and yeah fashionable, you know? So I wrote some lyrics based on that. <laughs> right. right, right. No, I totally get where you're coming from. I mean, I think it's uh, I think it's one of those things where it's uh, you know, it, it's easy to market that stuff because, you know, you're immediately going to uh, have a, a listener base that's going to pay attention to it because it, it, because it gets released on a certain label or it sounds like the other bands sure. that you would like. But then I always find it interesting, you know, and I'm sure you experience this in many times where, um, you know, people that uh, didn't have the same upbringing as like you or I, where um, the notion of, you know, listening to a band that, you know, wasn't Christian, it was like, oh my God, that doesn't make any sense. And so they would have to, <clears throat> these kids would have to find, you know, alternate versions of said band in the Christian world. Sure, and, right. You know, the C-rate bands that came out of that, that's, that. I think that's when it's just like, oh man, you, for years. Which, which is, an, it's another thing that just, oh, sorry to interrupt, but man, that is just such a heavy bummer on my heart just you know like any sort of like 
I mean, again, it's like you're talking about something that's like very near and dear and personal to me. Like I've been through a journey and in that journey, this sort of whatever you want to call it, light came out and, and here it is just like, Oh, this is a Christian alternative to insert whatever band. It's like, what as an artist, does that not just make you furious? Like, like create art for you, like today for you for right now, you know? And like that, Oh my gosh, that's the worst thing ever. And like, I mean it, whatever. I mean, but at the same time, like I understand money is the end of, of, it's the, it's, it's it is the all powerful, but at the end of the day, yeah. And it's, it's such a bummer because it's, I mean, the money comes from whoever, whether it's a label thing or whether it's the individual artist or whatever, it's just like money's always going to win. And, and it's an unfortunate thing to have to say, but at the same time, like as an individual, you can create your own, you know, victories and, and just going, Hey, like I'm just creating art. That's, near and dear to me and if you like it that's awesome jump on board and we'll hang out and if you don't that's cool too we don't have to be enemies you know what i mean we could just you can just not like my band that's super fine there's plenty of people that don't you know yeah um but yeah to 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 go way back and answer your question like i never had to hide anything or right or you know like i said they were dropping me off at all these shows because i couldn't drive yet so you were fine <clears throat> there was never an issue yeah there was never an issue of of you know is mom going to hear Slayer come out of my room? It's like, no, she's absolutely going to hear it. You know, right. I'm turning it up way too loud. <laughs> totally. totally. Um, so it was, uh, Ludacris wasn't your, was that your first actual band that uh, kind of got out and toured and stuff like that? Or was there uh, different iterations before that, that kind of, you know, play, played out, but didn't, uh, didn't make their name nationally. Um, yep. Uh, Norma Jean is what I always refer to it as, but yep, that was our first, uh, that was my first band. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, uh, I, I don't, I don't mean, it's to, all good. I don't mean to go deep into the catalog, but I just remember I, well, I was working. What was our safety word again? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Norma Jean was the first band. Uh, you, you guys, you guys had a record that had a different name at one point, <laughs> but exactly. There you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I just, I, yeah, no, I'm not, it's, it's, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, we, I, I think I made up that name in like 96 because I, I was drawing stuff and, and painting stuff and I would just sign it, you know, ludicrous or whatever. Cause I just thought it, the, 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 the definition of that was, you know, uh, something about hilarious or, or overly hilarious or something like that. And I was like, Oh, that's funny. And so I just would sign at that. And then when we started the band, like officially, it was just like, well, you know, this name sort of already exists. And, and so I just kind of, jumped into it with that name and started it with that name. And then, you know, like real quickly, once we got picked up and people started kind of caring what we were doing, we were just like, this name sucks. And then, um, we were already on solid state and it was a very big, uh, chore to try and change it. But finally, you know, the, the rapper, uh, from, from Atlanta also, um, started getting bigger. And so we were like, sweet, like that's our way out. And so, uh, yeah, we changed our name to Norma Jean and, and that's, that's, there's that. So yeah, but, uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, but was that, that, that was, Sorry. no, it's Go okay. On. No, that's totally fine. But that, that was essentially your, your first band in which you, uh, you know, experienced like the touring life and that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. First band ever. Um, everything from, you know, Hey, let's practice. Where is that going to happen? I don't know. Here we go to, uh, to, you know, whoops, we got on a show out in, 
uh, Alabama, which is funny that you mentioned Training for Utopia because some of our first couple shows were actually with Training for Utopia and Warlord. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember two those guys. really amazing bands. Yeah. And, um, I mean, Training for Utopia is one of our favorites of all time. And, um, and then Warlord was amazing as well. And, <clears throat> but, uh, Daniel, uh, the drummer, uh, who now plays in Every Time I Die, he, he just, he was the youngest of us all, but he, he just called and was like, Hey, I see they're coming through. We sound kind of like them. It'd be awesome to play. Like, and they were just like, okay. <laughs> and that's it. That's all that would happen. And then he calls, uh, the venue in Alabama and says the same thing that worked. And he called the next venue and it didn't work. So we just went, you know, to Alabama and played with them. And it, and it was like, you know, that was it. So that, that's our first out of state experience, you know, but yeah. <clears throat> that's fun. That's fun. Was there, um, you know, as you were, as you were starting to really dive into this subculture and go to shows and, you know, form your first band and everything, um, you, you said your parents were supportive of you, but was there ever a point where they were just like, yo, Josh, like this is some weird stuff you're into. Like, you know, you're dying your hair, <laughs> you're painting your nails black. Like what, what's happening or, or was it generally kind of accepted? <clears throat> yeah. My parents never cared. I mean, they were, they were, <clears throat> I, I, I've I've gathered enough throughout the years to say that they were probably hippies back in the day too. So I think they kind of gathered it. And my dad was in the Air Force for a bit, so the moment he got out, his hair went long immediately. And um, yeah, and they never cared. Um, our our rule in the house was kind of like, hey, make good grades. Like if you make good grades, you can do whatever you want. And uh, and it was all but an open rule. And um, like it was all but just said bluntly, just like that. It was just basically like education is important. So do that, you know, and it was like, it was a, I mean, my parents are wonderful people and, and every parent, well, not, okay, not every parent, but a lot of parents, I think really just want what's best for their kids, you know? And so there was maybe, you know, the smallest of hiccups where, where it, it went from, Oh, you're in high school and you're, doing this hobby or, you know, it's probably treated like, or whatever, you know, you're doing this thing that's interesting. And then all of a sudden it, once it kind of like shifted from, okay, well now I've graduated high school and we're still touring and, you know, getting up to an age where like college should be a thing and we're not doing college because we're still touring. Like there may have been like a, you know, a hiccup or two where it got to the point where it's just like, okay, like, let's sit down and just chit chat about the fact of like, how long is this actually going to last? Like, is this really the thing you want to be, you know, pouring your heart into and everything. And, but, um, but you know, I mean, again, that just comes from a very realistic point of like, Hey, like, you know, be realistic about this. And, and we're just trying to do the best for you. And like, you know, look out and, you know, like college was a, like I said, education was a huge thing. So obviously college was a huge thing. And when I didn't go, I'm sure it kind of was just like a little bit of a, like, Oh boy, you know, is he, (laughs) or are we setting him up to, to just, you know, enter this world of, you know, like whatever. And, um, you know, are we setting him up to enter this world of, you know, living in a van down by the river? And it's like, well, yeah, but that's fine with me. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm right. super down with, uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather live in a van down by the river and create art and, you know, be able to, to do it than not, you know, and if I ever have to get a real job, like to do my art, that's fine. I would do that, you know, but, um, so, you know, as, as everything does, I, I think it all, sort of panned out as, as it did and and uh you know i had to sort of be like look 
this is the thing I want to keep doing, you know, and who knows when the train's going to spit me out. But at the end of the day, like if it's three years or if it's five years or if it's 10 years, it's, it's going to be a fun ride and something that I'll, I've always tried not, you know, to have as few regrets in my life as possible and <clears throat> try not to live my life based on fear, but based on the fear of maybe regret. <laughs> and so, um, you know, the idea of like, is it just going to spit you out once people stop caring? And it's like, well, yeah, obviously it will. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're all one bad album away from being forgotten forever. That's fine, but <laughs> right. I'm not going to live. I'm not going to live my, make my decisions based on the fear of what if people stop caring? It's like, if people stop caring, I'll still create music that I like, you know what I mean? And it's a very therapeutic thing and mentally it kind of keeps me in a, a healthy space. And so, you know, but the moment that it, the train kicks me off, it's like, well, cool. I'll, I'll go get a job then. And, and, you know, it'll, life will go on, you know, and I'll, I'll do, figure something else out, you know, or whatever. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, I, I try, you know, I, I never want it to be 60 years old looking back on, man, what if I would have just tried it? And what if I would have just kept going? Like, what if I, you know, so, yeah. um, it's an interesting thought and, and I, know I, you know, parents or people too, just trying to make, yeah, they want to make it all make sense, you know? Yeah. Like, like, like you said, usually if there's, if there's friction in the house, when a kid is doing something that is, that they don't understand, it's usually, it's never from a place of like, I don't trust them. It's usually from a place of like, I'm just, I hope that they're okay. I want them to be okay. And like you said, that right. it's, it's from a place of love. Hey, pardon the interruption. And this sponsor may seem a little bit left of center, but I'm excited to tell you about it. It's called smile direct club. And I have someone helping me out with this with this ad read. Kate, my wife, would you like to say something? Hello, everybody. <laughs> so Smile Direct Club is a invisible alignment system. And other competitors can cost up to like $5,000. But Smile Direct Club aligners are 70% less. And you can save even more with an insurance or a FSA. What's an FSA, Kate? Do you know what an FSA is? I don't. But, but you can save more with that. <laughs> There's also two easy ways to pay. You can have a single payment of 1700 bucks, which they also have the lab costs wave, or you can take advantage of smile pay, which is just $250 down and then $99 a month for 17 months. No credit check required. Now my wife, the reason she's on here is because she's the one that's going through this, this program. So you'll be hearing from us regularly as we go through this process. Um, what did you think of the, the kit as it came and everything else that came with it? It was really easy to order the kit. Um, the kit arrived very quickly. Um, the directions were easy to follow. There were even pictures if you needed visual clarification. And then um, it was easy to send the package off. Now, all packages are easy for me to send because you take care of it. <laughs> True. <laughs> but it was ne- it was already all labeled and all we had to do was close it up. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you hear about the notion of like, oh, doing some sort of dental work at home. It's like, you know, in Leibman system like that. That sounds terrifying. But this was just like, oh, yeah, you pop it in your mouth and, you, you know, mix the stuff. And like it seems daunting initially. But then once you like go once you go through one impression, it's like, oh, that's that, that's easy. Yes, it wasn't bad at all. Good. So you can get started with the at-home impression kit for only 95 bucks, and then it's covered by their smile guarantee. So if their aligners are not a good fit for you, you get your money entirely back. And better yet, the listeners of this show can save 50% off your evaluation costs with the special offer. So please visit Smile Direct Club and use the promo code WORDS, W-O-R-D-S. And then if you or your children, 12 or older, 
and anyone that is interested, please go to Smile Direct Club, use the promo code WORDS, and you will get 50% off your evaluation kit. And it's only available in the United States, except North Carolina. I don't know why, but not North Carolina. But please, Smile Direct Club, use the promo code WORDS, tell them we sent you, and uh, yeah, we'll tell you more about this uh, as the process goes. Thank you, Kate. You're welcome. This, something that I've noticed about that's a kind of a, a common through line with uh, all the bands that you've played in is that uh, and I'm sure you've heard this term, but uh, you, you guys are definitely a band's band where it's like, you know, bands like <laughs> like to take you out on tour because like, you know, you're an easy hang. You're fun to be around that sort of stuff. Um, but then it, it's funny. Go, ahead. go on, go on, go on. No, I was just, well, just going to say a band's band. That's a, that's a very uh, <laughs> that's a very nice way of you know being like. You never got that big, no. but uh, bands but, love you, you know. But but jo- <laughs> which but, is true. But Josh, but, but funny. But jo- <laughs> let, let me but, let me button this up, Josh, because I, I, I was actually going to tell you that <clears throat> you you were you were more than that because uh, you know you actually have a, a draw where it's like you know when you go out on tour, like people cared about you, like you could do your own headlining shows and people <clears> would care, <throat> and then you know if you were added to a tour, your fans would come out to the show because that's that's unique. Usually, you know, like you said, the band's band uh, syndrome mm-hmm. is bands like honestly this is no slight against this band but this band is absolutely incredible but while they played and while they were around like they just didn't gravitate towards many people that band code seven from north carolina was like oh yeah they were they were a total bands band where like bands love them they love to watch them but like kids just didn't get what they were doing but like i said Mm -hmm. all your bands have kind of you know they've combined both of those worlds and that's a really hard thing to do Well, it's funny because we, like, well, two things. One thing, like, I've always been in smaller bands, which is super fine. Like, like obviously, Norma Jean blew up to do a thing, but it was, like, you know, after I had left, you know, and then things were getting bigger and things were going upwards, and, and it's easy for me, and nobody understands this, but it's easy for me and my brain to, to when things start getting up, to want to, wanna, sort of pull away um it's just my own sort of thoughts and and ideas and and ideals and just sort of like well but you know while i was in it you know we were always a modest band and then and then the chariot was always like like it's funny because so many people just saw us on the farewell tour or saw us supporting some other bigger band and so therefore I've had like full on arguments where people, uh, you know, I'm like, well, the chair was always a smaller band. And they're like, what are you talking about? I, I saw you here on this tour. And it's like, yeah, that was with that band. And then they were like, well, I saw you on the farewell tour. And it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> like it's a farewell tour, you know, but, um, but we were always a, you know, a modest band to say the least, but, but, but we, you know, we take bills and everything was fine. So it's not a, not a, you know, a complaint of any sort, you know, but, um, but it's funny because <clears throat> there's a huge compliment that comes with calling someone a band's band because while, I mean, not that bands have it all figured out, obviously, but bands who tour a bunch and play with a bunch of bands and they, they hear music all the time, if they like your art, there's the tiniest bit of this, that that means something different than if your average person likes your band. And obviously I'm not in any way trying to insult every person that's like my band, but like, 
you take like top 40 radio and it's like, okay, there's some good artists, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, the people making the music or at least making the decisions of the music are business suited people who go a plus B equals dollar signs. They don't care about the people. They don't care about the fans. They don't, they care about them in the sense they care about dollars and they care about money, but it's like, let's just insert this formula, which is, you know, a plus B and you know, whatever. And, and then that's it. And the moment it stops making money, they could care less. They're not going to try and, you know, oh, let's keep it going. I think it's good. Oh man, I believe in this music. It's like, no, it's just money, you know? And so, so therefore you're getting spoon fed, you know, this, the stuff. And eventually you grow a taste for it because it's just be everywhere you go, you hear it and big doses or small doses. And therefore you're getting, you know, cultivated in a way to be like, Oh, this is, this is what I listen to now, or this is, you know, top 40 or whatever. <clears throat> so that's the average sort of, you know, <laughs> person or the average audience member or whatever but then there's the like you know the the few and the the, the the I mean people are making good livings now doing this type of music and stuff but it's still in compared to top 40 music it's still the few and the proud you know what I mean the few people who go out and go I searched this band I mean think about it think about if you like the chariot what that meant that meant I mean, I mean now we have Spotify and Apple Music but in the early stages, it's like, what that meant was, okay, you like this band, so are you just going to pop in your nearest, you know, uh, Best Buy and grab the album? No, you're going to pop in your nearest, like, whatever place, and you're going to look for it, and they're not going to have it, so you're going to pop in your another place, and you got to go to the local cool, like, CD shop and hope that they have it, and if they don't, then you, like, <clears throat> whatever, download it illegally or whatever, which is totally fine, because at least you're listening to it, but then... At the end of the day, you've got to like figure out when they're coming, and if and if you find out they're coming, you got to go to the show. Like it's all work on the audience members' part, you know. And so the fact that anyone liked anything ever is blows my mind, you know, because right. it's work. You know what I mean? It's not. It's like it's not the you know the proverbial MTV spoon feeding you or the the radio station just spoon feeding you like you know, like, Oh, I'm telling you 900 times they're coming to this place at this time. It's like, no, you had to like find it out yourself and all that stuff. So I say all that to say that like, basically like if, if someone says you're a band fan, like it's a huge compliment because what it means is like <clears throat> this band who, you know, has toured around and heard music every single day, seen a million bad local bands, a handful of good local bands, um, toured with every band you can imagine. Like they like your art, like, okay, well that means something totally different than if someone's just pulling out like 5,000 kids every single night, not to insult anyone that's pulling out 5,000 kids every single night. It's just the idea is there's a difference there. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a difference that to saying like, Hey, these other guys that are creating all this art and, and doing all the same struggles you're doing. And some are better than others and some are bigger than others, but it's like, they are giving you somewhat of a stamp of approval. Like that means a lot, you know, and it's super cool to hear. And it's super, it's super, it's cool. I mean, it's just, it's just a, you know, I don't create art for, other people, you know, I, I make music for the stuff that I want to hear and stuff that I like. And I think people kind of catch on to that and kind of enjoy that. And, and, and it's also, you know, I'm just, an, I'm just another guy in a sea of people. So therefore it's like, you know, if I'm making music for 
something that I want to hear, you can fully assume there's probably someone else out there that is also into hearing it or whatever, you know? And so <clears throat> it's just a thing that, you know, I've heard it from, uh, from time to time about, you know, a band's band. And, and that, to me, it's a, a giant compliment, you know, because we weren't made for the masses, you know, we weren't creating music that would ever be on the radio or creating music that, you know, that was ever, it wasn't meant to be like easily digestible. You know, it's, sure. it's something that that's meant to sort of whatever live on the fringe thought provoking or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of the day, like, that's the stuff I always enjoyed. And so that's what we, you know, sort of created or whatever. And it's cool. It's, it's, it's interesting. We, we did a tour one time. I won't mention the band, but we, uh, it was a really big tour, like really, really big and, and really different for us. And it was cool, but nobody liked it. <laughs> the band themselves did, but nobody else. Like no, like every single day we sold like three shirts or whatever. And, and that's, that's a real, you know, blow to the, uh, to the bank when you're not selling merch. But, but, but fast forward, I was able to be in the chariot for long enough that we'd play a show and someone would be like, Hey man, you know, that, that was, that was real good stuff. And I was like, awesome. And like, yeah, first time I saw you was on this tour and you go weird. Why are you here? Like nobody liked us on that tour. And like, oh yeah, well I didn't either, but I kind of just, like remembered y'all and like now you're like one of my favorite bands and it's like that's cool man that's awesome that like you know fast forward three years or whatever and you're you're i don't know your tastes change or maybe you're just wanting something thicker something you know more i don't know like you you know more thought-provoking or whatever and so again that was something that was like a huge compliment and it was really cool to have been able to be a to be in a band or be in this industry long enough to see that result and see that outcome, you know? And, and so it was kind of worth doing that tour because I heard that all the time. <laughs> so many people would be like, yeah, I hated it that night, but it was hard to forget, you know, and fast forward three years or two years or four or whatever. And, and we, it was pretty, you know, now, now it's something I love and I've found out all the other bands because of it. And it's really cool, you know? So, yeah, well that, that's, a, that's what you want to do like that. You want to be the, the kind of gateway band where it's like it, it get people don't like it initially, but they're kind of like, huh, like there's something about that. That was cool. Whether it was like the, you know, aggressive nature, them jumping into the crowd or whatever. And like it's same, same, same exact principles as you had when you were, you know, watching Bush perform for the first time or whatever. It's like exactly same, sure. same notion. Um, mm-hmm. the, um, uh, it, it, you strike me as a person too, that, um, there's two last things I wanted to ask before I let you go. One of them being the, the fact that, um, you, you don't strike me as ever being that the proverbial business person of the band, like, you know, you, yeah, you have decisions that you make and everything like that, but you were maybe never the person in any of their projects that was like, all right. I'm going to be the one booking the shows. I'm going to be the one like, you know, that's kind of doing this. You seem definitely rooted in the, uh, you know, the artistic endeavors of the band. Uh, am I correct in that assumption or is it one of those things where, uh, you, you, you dabble in it, but maybe you don't, uh, you know, take the, not saying that you're not interested in that side of things, but you know, you have people that care about one thing more than the other. And that's just, you know, something that happens. You're absolutely correct on that (laughs) in every way. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I'm I'm the the least business person I know, um, maybe to a fault. Well, definitely <laughs> to a fault. Um, but uh, yeah, I I, I even 
I don't want to dive down this rabbit hole, but there's definitely been business decisions where I get all artsy and introspective and start, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes when you walk away with, you know, with nothing and there was a big chunk of something to take, you know, people sort of think that, uh, you know, they, they, that could be looked at as a very dumb thing and probably was, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, sometimes you just get sort of tricked up in your brain and in your mind and you sort of think to yourself, like, that's not, that's not why I started this or that's not why I did this or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely more of the like Hail Mary, let me just fling it all out there. And the few people that, you know, it kind of grabs along the way, like, you know, like that's cool. And as long as I can keep paying my bills, then I'll be happy. And the moment I stop paying my bills, um, I'll, I'll also be happy. You know, I'll just have to sort of figure something out, you know, but, um, but yeah, I've never been, I'm, I'm super not, I, I pretend to be one. I fake it, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I fake it like, uh, sometimes well, and sometimes not, but I, you know, I've, uh, with 68, it's in a more healthy place because I have a manager. The chariot, we didn't have a manager or whatever. It was just me. And so with 68, I have a manager and I have a, you know, business manager. And, you know, so maybe there's like a lot more, uh, uh, you know, stabilization as far as some of those things go. And because um, you need, I mean, you need that. And you also need to <clears throat> accept the fact that, you know, there's, there's a, there's, art is one thing and then with every art comes a little bit of business and so it's just like yeah i mean i the more the more i don't have to do with that the more i can just focus on the thing that i love and the thing that keeps me grounded which is art you know and so i've you know i've found that like uh it's it's definitely healthy um anyone listening to this i mean if you just find yourself like hard shifted to the art side it's like there's there may be wisdom in <laughs> in finding someone who's a whole lot more on the other side to just sort of well round you off. But also that's a very dangerous thing to say as a, as a broad stroke because you can get really <clears throat> ripped off and you know because you're just so focused on the art that you know. You, but at the end of the day, it's like that's not that's not my forte. That's not where I've you know I've I just want to create you know and hope that. Like I said, a few people catch it, catch it along the way, you know. So yeah, no, I, I like that. Um, and the the last thing I want to hit on was uh, more in relation to uh, kind of something that we, you were talking about earlier in regards to um, you know <clears throat> how you can view uh, through the prism of your life uh, a little better what your parents did. You know, once you become a parent yourself, and you know you have you have two kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, just because you do still live in this, this, uh, chaotic nature of, you know, going out on tour and returning home and then getting used to being home. And then all of a sudden you're used to being home and then you go out on tour again. Um, you know, how, uh, how have you kind of, uh, I guess, balanced that those two, you know, dualities that, uh, exist within the life because, uh, you know, that's not easy to maintain relationships and then, uh, you know, clearly be a father and show up. Sure. Um, yeah, I think it's very easy. Um, I mean, just very, very easy to just see only the negative of that and like being like, oh man, you got to go for such a long time or, oh man, like what about this? What about that? And it's like, well, that's, that's easy to look at, but what about the, you know, the exact flip 
positive of that where it's like, Hey, I get to tour and do the thing that I love. But also when I get home, it's like, I'm not just sitting alone in an apartment, you know, like no offense to anyone who is, but it's just like, you know, it's nice to just come home and have, you know, a, a, a family and friend there, you know? And so, um, so for me, like, it's like, I don't have any answers. I don't know if what I'm doing is going to have you know, long-term effects on me or them or anything else. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I would love to pretend I live in a world where it's like, Hey, I can say something along the lines of like, Hey, like, yeah, follow your dreams. But that's, that's where everybody stops. Everybody goes, Oh, you know, follow your dreams. And it's like, well, you got to work for that. You know what I mean? Like, like, it's like, you know, we, we were raised up in an age where it's like, you can do anything. You can change the world. It's like, no, you can't not without work ethic and not without the ability to go, Hey, I've got to, you know, stand on my own two feet and, you know, like march over to this thing and start creating or start writing or start touring or start whatever the thing is, you know? And, and so I would love to be, you know, some sort of, uh, example to, to, you know, instead of saying one thing, but doing another, it's like, I'd love to, you know, hopefully, looking back on all of it, they were, you know, anyone involved would, would be able to look and go, Oh man, like he had this thought and then went out and worked for it, you know, went out and busted his butt and tried to make it a thing and tried to, you know, keep it, keep it going as long as he could. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to pretend that the moment that it all wraps up, you know, I'm, I'm able to stay, you know, healthy minded and, and realize that that was just one phase that you know we all knew was going to wrap up it's i mean i'm not <laughs> not creating music to be the rolling stones or u2 or anything so it's like there's a day and they there's a day coming where it's just like cool well that's that and now what's the next thing you know and i'll cross that bridge when i get there but for now it's like i'm having a good time and and very grateful to have been doing it for as long as i have but at the end of the day i don't want to say one thing like oh follow your dreams or you can change the world or you can and then you know not and then not do anything and then just sit around it's like I want I want my actions to speak louder in my words and be able to be like hey like there's a lot of people out there they have a lot of different beliefs than, than you and they're still just people and it's cool to connect and it's cool to learn and it's cool to to walk amongst everybody and and just be able to hang out, you know what I mean? And it's cool to be able to like pursue an avenue where, you know, you can do something you love for a living. Um, a lot of people, I mean, everyone puts all the, the glory and all the, the power and money, but I like to throw a lot of that glory and a lot of that power on doing what you love. You know, I put a price on that, put a, I put a thought on that, you know, it's like, I wake up every day and and days where I've got some 18 hour drive that, you know, in the middle of wherever to X amount of kids, like I still love what I'm doing. So it's like, not, you know, there's, there's a, that's worth a ton of money to me. You know what I mean? To just be able to do what I love and, and to do what I, what I believe in and still, you know, be able to travel and do whatever. And like I said, I mean, it'll all wrap up at some point, but I will not worry about that's, you know, I'll let future Josh deal with that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, well, I, I and like, so it's cool to be able to, to, you know, hopefully live in a world where all of that means something to the people that are most important to me, you know, and hopefully they'll be able to look back on that and go, Oh, he didn't just say those words. 
actually lived it out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's really, really, really important because ultimately you become a better partner, a better father, because like you said before, you're happy. And that's a, that's a spot that, um, you know, not many people exactly. can find themselves in. So, but, uh, Josh, thank you so much for hanging out, dude. I've, I've been looking forward to this, uh, this chat and I hope you enjoyed it. Awesome, man. It was great. Thank you very much for having me. That's what's up. That was Josh. I was about to call him George for a second. It's like, oh, that maybe I shouldn't read someone else's name like right before I record these outros, right? Um, I would like to just take a moment and thank everybody again for listening to the show. Like I said before on a past couple episodes, we're approaching a five-year anniversary, and <clears throat> I'm, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. I mean, it's one of those things where, um, you know, I could have some pomp and circumstance and kind of pat myself on the back, which... I honestly do on a weekly basis where I'm like, all right, man, got another one at the door. This is awesome. I'm, I love it. But um, yeah, just thank you for listening to this thing. I really, really appreciate it. And words don't do it justice Justice in regards to the sort of connections that I've made with people in regards to the uh, just how meaningful the show is in their lives, whether it's something that people listen to once a month or whether it's something that people look forward to once a week. I, uh, I'm just glad to be here and hang out and be that uh, that little voice in your ear being like, hey, music is important. You should still care about it or you should still stay really involved with it. So thank you very much. And thank you very much to Jenny who hooked this interview up. And thank you very much for Josh for his time. And uh, the music, as always, is Lowercase Noises. You need to get on his new record, lowercasenoises.com. You can pre-order that thing and it's beautiful. You'll love it. And then what else do I need to tell you? Oh, yes, the guest next week is uh, he's, he's what I like to call a secret punk. This is a person who is very heavily involved in the uh, journalism side of things. He hosts an amazing podcast of his own called Longform, which basically he speaks to people who are journalists in some capacity and really gets into the uh, nitty gritty of what they do. So Aaron Lammer. And he also does a pretty cool podcast that I've only listened to one or two episodes because, frankly, the subject matter is not really <laughs> for me. It's called Stoner. But uh, yeah, Aaron Lammer is on the show this week, or not this week. Well, yeah, technically this week because you're listening to this after the fact. But anyways, um, yeah, that's that. And uh, you should have a good rest of the week. Go outside, get some sun, do some walks. You spend some time with the ones you care about. And uh, yeah, you know, hug, hug a person, right? How about that? That's your homework. Whoever, whoever you see next after you listen to this show, like just, just give a hug to Hopefully they're not a stranger, or hopefully it's a person that you like, actually like. But, um, you know, see, see what you can do about that, all right? <laughs> all right, until next week, please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.